Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, July 24, 2022. It focuses on Jesus' words to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. The message to all who will listen is the church must submit to their Lord and love him or risk losing their place in the kingdom. Now, here is Pastor Scott Rose. Good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning as we worship him this morning. Let's stand for some scripture this morning. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 9 to 11. For we are God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now, others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ.
You've got your bulletins, so most everything's in there. I'll just hit some highlights. Um, again, reminder that we have Adult Sunday School that meets at 9.30 in the basement on Sunday mornings. Um, this week, due to some scheduling uh, difficulties, there will not be CR on Monday night, so no CR this week. Uh, but do join us on Wednesday evening uh, at 7 o'clock for our weekly prayer time where we lift up local concerns, our concerns of our body, and uh, national and... Uh, um, whatever, whatever needs to be prayed over, we're praying over it on, on Wednesday nights, okay? Go join us. Um, next Sunday, we will be changing things up just a little, so you might want to, I'll see how many times I can say it like pastor says it 5,000 times so you'll remember it. Uh, next Sunday, we will be starting at 10.15, 10.15. We'll do a couple, one song or so um, locally here and some announcements and whatever, but then we will join ministry conference at 10.30, okay? We'll be live streaming that at 10.30. So mark your calendars. What time? 10.15. Be here at 10.15. Um, and we'll, before that, actually, because we're going to start at 10.15 so that we're ready to, to join them live at 10.30. Um, also, ladies... Uh, women's retreat is fast approaching. It's not just for friends women. It's for any lady who would like to, to participate. This year it's in Oklahoma City. Um, so for a few minutes after worship this morning, if we could get anyone who might be interested in attending um, to join us up here so we can be sure that you've got the registration form because the registrations are due to avoid a penalty August 15th. So we've just got about three weeks to get that ironed out. So ladies, if you're interested, um, or if you're listening to us online and seeing, and when you'd like to be able to go, um, get a hold of Linda, Eve, um, Sue or I, and we'll, <coughs> excuse me, we'll um, get you hooked up with a registration form, or you can go online. But ladies, let's meet just so we know who's going where so we can figure out rooms and stuff like that. Um, just as a reminder, to lift up the pastor and his family. He's on vacation this week, and then he will be attending ministry conference next week, too. So uh, continue to lift them up in prayer um, during this time. Anything else? Did I miss anything? Okay. Let's continue worshiping in song this morning.
Let's pray this morning and lift up the service and uh, all of our concerns. Father, we're grateful to be in your house today. Um, we just pray that you will bless each one that's here and those who are listening online. Um, meet the needs that they have um, and cover them with your blessing. Father, we also ask in the name of Jesus that you would send rain. Our, our, our world, our earth, our local community, the country around us, Lord, we desperately need your favor in the form of rain. Please send it, Lord. We know that there's some possibilities of it in the forecast for this coming week, but, Father, we just pray that in your will that you will bring that to fruition. Father, we also lift up uh, those who are traveling right now. Cover them with your mercy and your grace. Keep them safe and return them safely to us. And, Father, we also ask that you meet the needs um, of those who may be hurting, who may be um, ill, Recovering from surgeries, Father, just meet the needs that they have where they are. And above all else, Father, we just ask, invite you, your Holy Spirit, to be a part of us this morning. Uh, center around us, hedge, build a hedge of protection around this community, around this church, and each individual, Father. And I know as schools are beginning to, to gear up here in a couple of weeks, Father, I ask your blessing on the schools, um, the staff, the administration, the students. Um, I pray that all will be according to your will. And we just give you the praise and the glory this morning in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's continue to, to worship in song this morning.
be blessed with um, Scott leading us this morning. Good morning. Uh, as always, it is a joy to come before you this morning and share the word of the word of God with you and. Uh, Hopefully, uh, we can all grow and learn together this morning. But before I begin, Pastor Mike asked me to um, hold this up. This is a box. It's a pretty nice-looking box, too, I would say. Um, I don't have one like it, but I could use one. Uh, uh, but, but actually, this box is for prayers. And... What we want to do is pray for the people in our community, uh, pray for the people around us that we know, um, that we could use, that could use our prayers, people that need to know Jesus, people that we um, can find new ways to minister to. And of course, the ministry of the church begins with what? prayer. So um, if you have something, someone that you would like prayed for or something, let's put it in that box because I think it's pretty amazing that when we pray, it's, the Bible tells us when that the prayers of a righteous person avail much. And that as a church, when we pray together and we begin praying for those around us, um, lives do get changed. Maybe not in the time that we think they ought to, but it does happen. Change does happen because um, God is faithful. And all he asks is for us to be faithful to bring those people to him. So with that, um, we will start with a word of prayer, if you'll join me. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just, uh, we come, we sit here today, Lord, and we're so thankful that we have this opportunity to, to worship you, to, to pray to you, to uh, hear your word. God, we're thankful that um, you have called us together to be a body and to live life together, to minister to one another and to minister to the community around us. And it's with that in mind, Lord, uh, that we come with expectant hearts to hear what you have to say for us today. Lord, I pray that you would just take this message that you laid upon my heart today and that the words that are spoken will be yours and yours alone. Not the words of myself or the words of any person, Lord, but just you, your spirit speaking through me, Lord. And Lord, let the words that are heard be heard of your spirit in each and every heart today. God, uh, all we want is for you to have the glory in our lives, in our church, and in the world around us, Lord so that the name of Jesus will be lifted high. Amen. So this morning, I have taken on what some would consider a very bold endeavor um, because I'm actually going to cover 
two chapters of Scripture out of the book of Revelation this morning. Uh, chapters 2 and 3. And the reason I say it's a bold endeavor is because if I were actually to try and break it down, you're all familiar with Revelation chapters 2 and 3. It's a tale of seven churches. It's seven churches that Jesus commanded the Apostle John to write to concerning some of the things that were going on in the church at that time, uh, some of the things that they were facing and dealing with, and honestly, some of the things that they were ignoring. You see, I love this passage, these passages of Scripture, and we're not going to read it all. We're going to cover, we're just going to go through different parts of it this morning, but I'm hoping that as we do, we'll see that there's a purpose that Jesus was writing to these churches. We often look at it as we read them and we think about the churches that, that uh, Jesus told John to write to, the church in Ephesus, the church in Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Um, we think about those as, well, these messages were for those churches at, the, at that moment. True, they were. But funny thing was, is, or is, that there is not, um, none of those churches are still alive today. They're gone. They're gone. But yet the message was, and there were a lot of other churches that, uh, that existed at that time. We know that. There's the church at Corinth. There was the church, the Galatian church. There was Colossian church. There was the Roman church. There were churches all over the place. Now, before we go any further, let's define church. Who's he writing to? Specific churches? Like buildings? Gathering places? Or people? He's writing to specific people. Bodies. Uh, remember that the word church comes from a Greek word, ecclesia, which means a called out gathering. So the church is literally, we are, a called out gathering. Called out by who? Jesus. Called out for what? To gather together, to live a Christ-like life together, to share the love and compassion, the mercy and the grace, the words of Jesus with one another to be a light to the world for all the rest to see, right? Amen? That's who we are. That's what we're called to. And it's, it's such a wonderful calling. You know, I, I love the idea that we as a people are chosen. God chose us long before the world began he called us to come together. He has anointed us. He has empowered us. And he has equipped us to be the people that he desires us to be. To be his vessels of righteousness, his vessels of truth, his vessels of love his vessels of peace, his vessels of grace, and his vessels of mercy in the world throughout all the ages until the ages come to an end. Which, by my reckoning, of course, doesn't appear to be far off. But the end for us is not the end. It's really the beginning. So, but, so, he, Jesus comes to John on the island of Patmos, and he begins by telling John, he, he shows himself to John, and John has this wonderful vision of this, this purity of, of, of Jesus, who Jesus is, and, and, and uh, he's just in awe. And Jesus commands him to write. He says, look, I want you to write these things down. You see where I am. You see that I am the Lord of heaven and earth. 
You see where I am now. I want you to write these things down. I want you to write a message to these seven churches. But I believe what Jesus was trying to say to John, or what Jesus was saying to John, was, look, this is a message for the church through all the ages. From now until that last day when I come again. And if you understand Revelation, that's really what it's about. From now, that moment, until. From the birth of the church, until. The moment that Jesus gathers in church to himself, at the moment he recreates the heavens and the earth, the whole thing, it's all for us. So, he begins in writing to the churches and Jesus tells him to write to the angel of the church in Ephesus these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands I want you I want you to get a, a vision of Jesus in each of the churches so we're going to skip down now and we're going to go to the church in Smyrna to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These are the words who is him, who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. To the church in Pergamum, These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. To the church in Smyrna, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who hold the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. To the church in Philadelphia, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the keys of David. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness the ruler of God's creation. Each one of these, as Jesus commands John to write, and each one of these is a revelation of Jesus' power and authority, who he is. They also cover his, um, his purity, his strength, his faithfulness, his obedience, um, and his, his zeal. They cover all these different things, um, this, this vision that we get of Jesus, who he is, that he is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. But so we get this picture of Jesus, and then it's Jesus by Jesus' authority that he begins to speak into the churches, right? And he says, hey, look, to Ephesus. He points out their strengths and their weaknesses to each of the seven churches. I'm sorry, I'm going to backtrack here a little bit. He points out their strengths, but also what they're dealing with. And to Ephesus, he says, you guys have done good. You've done really well. I know your deeds. I know your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, and you have, not, and you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not and have found them to be false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. You have forsaken your first love. Lord, I wonder when he writes that, I wonder how hard that is for, for those people in Ephesus to hear that. I wonder how hard it is sometimes for us to hear that. Because you know what Jesus is saying when he says you've forsaken your first love? They're, they're a church that appears to be doing all the right things. They're standing strong. And yet, it became about their deeds and their actions. And in a sense... They've left Jesus behind. They left God behind. They've left their first love. They forgot the reason for their existence is that God's love for them 
is the only reason they exist. The only reason we exist is because of God's love for us. And here we hear you have left your first love. You've left your first love. What ways, in what ways have we done that very thing? Have we left Jesus behind as we push forward? We have the commands of Jesus that we hold on to. We want to do what Jesus calls us to do, but we begin doing it for the wrong reasons. We begin doing it because it's what we're called to do, what we have to do, and not because simply an act of love towards our Savior. I'm going to skip a couple churches here. I'm going to skip Smyrna for a minute, and I'm going to skip Philadelphia. I want to focus on Pergamon and Thyatira, as well as talking about Ephesus losing their first love. Pergamum was an, is an interesting church because Pergamum they were a church that was in a very unique place where the throne of Satan is is what Jesus says. They're in the place where the throne of Satan is and They, did not re they remained faithful, and yet it also says that there were false teachers in both, in both Pergamum and in Thyatira. False teachers had come in. In Pergamum, there was those who held to the teaching of Balaam. Remember Balaam, the talking donkey and all that in the Old Testament? Yeah, if I, if I mention the talking donkey, you all get that, right? And so Balaam, he was, he was a guy, he, God would not let him curse Israel. He was called on by Balak, the king of the Moabs, Moabites, to go and curse the Israelites. Well, he couldn't do it. Spirit of God wouldn't let him curse them. He kept blessing them. So then he said, look, I can't speak contrary to what God says I can do, but I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go and... Just take your daughters and send them into the camp of the Israelites. By this, you'll turn them away from the Lord, and they will start following after your daughters. Then they will give in to start following the idols and start sacrificing. They'll give in to immorality. Wow. Hey, Balak says, well, you know what? I guess that's pretty good advice. So that's exactly what he did, and that's exactly what Israel did. They started following the daughters hey, these are some pretty hot women here. Let's, uh, let's just go and follow them and do whatever they're doing. So they, But the Lord's anger burned against them. But what I want you to understand was is that they allowed the world around them, this, the Moabites, to come into the camp and to invade them and to turn their heads. They became worldly, they began to conform to the culture around them. Hmm. You understand that if we take that in today's context, how many of our churches today have allowed that to happen? We want to reach the world around us. We want to be friends with them. We sort of, in a way, remember, the Moabites were afraid of the Israelites because of what God had done through them. In a lot of ways, the church is a, the world is afraid of the church because of the things that the church has been able to accomplish in the world. And it stands against everything that the world holds dear. So what does the world do? They seek to invade the church. They want to change our thinking. They want to change our way of living. They want us to become just like them. And there are teachers that come into the church that tell us, you know, we can be friends with the world. 
We can be just like them. We can live like them. We can enjoy the things of the world and just take it. But we could still be the church. Could Israel still remain Israel if they would have just kept following after Moab? I don't think so. If they would have continued to follow after the dollars of the Moabites, if they would have just continued to sacrifice to the idols, time and time and time again through Israel's history, we witness Israel falling away, chasing after the world, chasing after the daughters of the men, chasing after the wealth, chasing after everything else. And what do they do? They, does the world become like them? No, they become like the world. And every time, God reaches out and calls them back. So we see that with, uh, we see that with Pergamum. Now let's take a look at Thyatira. Thyatira, um, there's a false prophetess in there. And she comes in, and Jesus calls her Jezebel. And why? Because he's relating her to an Old Testament queen in the northern kingdom of Israel who was wicked, who was in the sorcery, um, she was a sorceress, she was a queen, she was really big into idolatry, and she spread immorality, she supported the prophets of Baal and Asherah, she did all these things, and she was wicked to the bone. She was immoral as immoral could be, and she was a murderess. She killed people, she had people put to death, anybody that stand stood against her, and so we find in here that Jesus writes to Smyrna, I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teachings, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her, t I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but, is, but she is unwilling, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead, then all the churches will know. Listen to that. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. Yeah, I love that. All the churches. Again, remember, he's speaking not just to one church. See, because this spirit of Jezebel has invaded churches really throughout history. Again, we face a time now when sexual immorality is at an all-time high. The world has never, ever seen a day such as we live in today. I mean, we can ignore it. We can say that, hey, you know what? We've got knowledge. We've got understanding. We've got all this. Science says science is not our God. Our God is our God. All that stuff is lies from the devil. Matter of fact, Jesus calls it the deep things of Satan in this letter. He says, you who do not hold to the deep things of Satan. You of, those of you in the church who do not hold to the deep things of Satan. You see, all these lies that are being propagated that the church is embracing today in so many ways all these immoral behavior, all these things. We just want to be friends with the world. We don't want the world to think we're stuffy and uptight and stiff-necked. No, we are not stuffy and uptight and stiff-necked, but we are a holy people called by God to serve God and to walk the way that God has called us to do because God is a God of order, God is a God of holiness, and God is a God of truth. The world knows nothing of these things. And we cannot embrace them. Not now, not, to, not yesterday, not today, not ever. We have to stand against them, no matter what the cost. But of course, there is an option. There is definitely an option. See, because there's two churches um, that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, that give us an option. But let's take a look at, at two of the other churches here. Two churches that Jesus does not condemn is the church in Smyrna and the church in Philadelphia. The church in Smyrna, 
His only message to the church in Smyrna was, hey, you know what? Stand fast. Persecution's coming. These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Get it? Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Why? Why would they even suffer? Because they're the church. They're different from the world. And by being different, it means that the world's not going to like them. It's not going to like us. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. The faithful, he, the faithful even to the point of death, and I will be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Wow. All right, you see that? He says, look, the devil is going to come against you. You know what happens when the church doesn't give in to the world? We can expect that the enemy is going to come against us. We can expect it. When we begin, here, there's, a, there's a transgression or a trans, not transgression, there's a progression that takes place. We start with Ephesus who left their first love, okay? Maybe Smyrna they start facing persecution. So persecution comes against the church. Well, when we are persecution, persecuted, we don't feel comfortable, right? So then we start opening up the door to give in to the world. Well, maybe if we just compromise a little bit. So then the false teachers enter in, right? And they enter in, and what happens? They start leading us astray. Um, I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to die for my faith. I don't want to do this. I love Jesus, but really, do I have to die? Do I have to go to prison? Do I have to lose everything? Uh, what if we just compromise a little bit? I mean, what's it going to hurt? So what? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let, I'll let my, my Christian daughter marry a Muslim man. I don't have nothing against Muslims, but the faiths are not compatible. I'll let my Christian daughter marry this man who's a drug addict. Maybe, maybe she'll be an example to him and he'll come to Christ. Or maybe he'll lead her astray. We've all seen it. The scenarios are endless. And I know this is tough. This is tough to hear because we hear it and see it all the time. And no, it's not, on, it's not necessarily on you as a person, because we're fighting, a, we're fighting an uphill battle. But I want you to understand that the battle's already been won. We move on to the church in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a unique church in the fact that Jesus says that when he opens... What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and bow down and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you since you have kept my command to endure patiently. I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. There you go. So then we have Philadelphia. We have one church that's being persecuted, and Jesus does not condemn them. He tells them, stand fast. Hold your ground. Do not let the false teachers come in. Okay? But then he says, Philadelphia, look, you've, you've done well. You're standing fast. You're not listening to these lies. You're holding on to the truth. I'm going to stick with you. Stick with me. I'm going to bless you. 
But we still have two other churches that we need to talk about today. Uh, we had the church of Sardis and the church of Laodicea. These are the churches that really scare me. And I'll tell you why. Right after I tell you, right after I read about them a little bit. To the church in Sardis, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Ouch. Ouch. Does that hurt? You are alive, but you have a name of being alive, a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. That hurts. Could you imagine Jesus looking at us saying, yeah, you've got the name that you're alive, but you're not. You're dead. There was no life, no spiritual life in that church. What were they doing? They were just crossing the T's and dotting the I's. They were gathering together. They were living life, but there was a complacency in their, in their, in their church life that didn't add up to anything. There was no real spiritual life in them. They had fallen asleep. Jesus goes on to say, wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Otherwise, they weren't completely dead, but there was something in them that was still a little bit. There was still a little bit of life left in them. Not a lot. They were on life support, but they weren't completely brain dead. They weren't completely cut off from Jesus. They had left their first love so far behind, there was just a flicker of light in their hearts. Then he writes to Laodicea. I love this one. We're all familiar with this. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. I was reading about that, and I guess... Laodicea was a very wealthy city. And two things I've heard about Laodicea. They were so far, they didn't really have any fresh water springs. They actually had to have their water piped in from Coloss, Colossia. That was, um, it was a place of hot springs. They were known for their hot baths. And so the water was pumped down the mountain. And, and by the time it reached Laodicea, it was cooled off, but it was lukewarm. So their water, they didn't have hot water. You know, kind of like the tap water right now with all this hot, this heat, you know. You go and get a, a drink and you're thinking, I want to drink a cool water. And it's like, well, it's not as cold as it is in December for sure, but it's, it's, it's kind of lukewarm. But there was another thing too, that when rich people threw a party, they would get snow from the mountains. They would offer their wine would be offered with either hot water added to it to warm the wine or with snow added to it to cool it. So it would be either hot or cold. So Jesus is saying, I'm drinking it. I'm tasting the wine that you have to offer. And it's neither hot nor cold. It's lukewarm. And that's what he's saying about their lives. It's not refreshing in the way it's cool. And it's not invigorating because it's warm. It's just lukewarm. It's tepid. There's nothing there. It doesn't do anything for me. And so I wonder, when we look at the two churches of Sardis and in Laodicea, if we do not see this, get this picture of complacency is really what it is. It's complacency. They've grown complacent with the world around them. Both, both of them. They have nothing to offer the world. They're just living life. They're living life for themselves. They're present in the world. They're interacting with the world, but they're not doing anything to change the world around them or to change the lives of the broken people that surround them. 
They're just there. They just merely exist. So Jesus is calling on all the churches. He's saying, one, be careful. Be careful. Make sure that your heart is right. Make sure that you're in love fully with me. In Ephesus, come back to your first love. He's calling us back. But I want you to understand something. There's an important word that you'll find if you read through the fullness of all seven letters, and he says it seven times, repent. Repent. We don't talk about repentance. Repentance means that we have turned, the churches have turned in a wrong direction, and they need to turn back to Jesus. They need to focus their eyes, their hearts, their minds, their souls, their bodies on God and give all that they have to the kingdom of God. For what? So they can receive what God wants to bless them with. Because each one of these churches comes with a warning. If you do not, I will remove your lampstand. Your light will go out. You cannot be a light to the world if your lampstand is not burning. He says, repent. What are the things that we have allowed? What are the things that cause us to fear, that cause us to embrace the world? Is Jesus our first love? Is he our first love, first and foremost? Is he above all else? But above our families, above our jobs, above our economic stability, above our comfortableness, above the lies of the world. Is Jesus our first love? And are we willing to sacrifice everything that we are called, that we want to hold on to in this world? Are we willing to sacrifice it all? to stay in tune with Jesus, to leave our lampstands burning? That's the question that we have to answer. He says, repent, turn back, turn away, wake up. Call out the false teachers the false prophets, the ones who keep bringing immorality into the church, the ones, you know, people, I want you to understand something. We've been fed a lie. We've been indoctrinated. You know, Russia used to indoctrinate their children from a young age. I'm going to tell you, I love my country, but I'll tell you what, there is an indoctrination going on today in our world. And it's been going on for a very long time. In the 1960s, we took Jesus out of the schools. We couldn't use God's name in the schools. We've taken God's name out of government for the most part. I mean, there's still a huge battle going on. But I want you to understand something. Science cannot save us. No political party cannot save us. Our government cannot save us. Nobody in this world can save us. The only person that can save us is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And if we don't put our faith in him and in him alone and surrender ourselves completely and totally to him, we lose everything. We lose everything. These letters to these seven churches, and I want to challenge you, read them. Go through them. I've been reading these two chapters every day for the last week. And every day, and I tell you, this message by no, by no means was perfect. But I hope it gets the point that God wants to make. That it gets the point from my mouth to your hearts. We are in danger every day of losing our lampstand. If we don't make sure that our hearts are turned fully to Jesus, that he's our first love, and that we don't call out, that if we don't call out those false teachers that walk among us and say, yeah, just embrace it, hold on to it, let it in. It's okay, because, you know, that's how you're gonna, that's how you're gonna make converts. Um, I was part of a particular denomination for a certain five and a half years. I've gotta tell you, I thank God that I left that denomination because they've let in everything. 
everything that is unholy, that's not of God. Instead of calling it out, instead of challenging it, we too must be faithful. Seven things. Come back to our first love. Stand fast. Be faithful. Be pure. Be obedient. Be strong. And be dedicated. Seven things to keep us on the right path. Can I repeat those? Have love. Stand fast. Be faithful. Be pure. Be obedient. Be strong. And stay dedicated. Make Jesus the first thing every day. Let him know how much you love him. And if your love if your love is waning, if it's fading away, then just draw near to him. Seek to draw near to him any way that you can. Recognize that. You know, it's easy for us to get pulled away. Draw near to Jesus every day and your love will grow. That fire in your heart and the lampstand, our lampstand, Pratt Friends Church will grow brighter and brighter every day. Um, so, let's just take a few minutes now and take a little bit of time, a couple minutes to reflect, listen to the Holy Spirit, and see um, what He wants to say. And I'm, I'm going to invite you, if you have a testimony or something, something that the Holy Spirit's saying to you right now in this time of quiet, I encourage you, please, be bold, speak it. Father, we confess this morning that uh, 
we, your church, whether it be here or anywhere in the world, Lord, we are continuously under attack and continuously under threat, Lord, of um, being led astray. Um, the voices of this world are extremely loud. Lord, help us to be still and hear your still strong, your still small voice, Lord, that we always may know the way to walk. Father, we um, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that interprets and implants your word in our hearts. Most of all, we thank you for your son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through whom we have this great gift of salvation. And we are called together to be his body, your church, throughout all the ages. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.